You're listening to the Sit Rep Podcast, your home for everything related to historical wargaming. When one man picked up a weapon and battled another, we're going to talk about it. We might even play the battle ourselves, or we just might make fun of each other, but we are entertaining. And now, joining us from merry old England is Gaz, our resident painter, and Ralph, our graphic artist. And of course, on the good old American side, we have our historical guru, Big Jim Ariskany from sunny Florida. And here in the Midwest, representing the nation's people, dun, 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 is Marty and G. And now, sit back, get ready, and let's battle. Okay, we are live. Sorry about that. YouTube doesn't like to do anything quick, but welcome to the live show for our Patreon subscribers. Um, With me today, uh, via Skype, as we are responsible adults, blah, uh, for at least social distancing, uh, I have Marty (laughs) over on Skype here. About, what, 10 miles away from me? Um, yeah, about that, yeah. yeah. And then we have um, Jim in sunny Florida. Hello, everybody. And I can say happily today, it's sunny here in Illinois. Awesome. Yes, there is no noise in Illinois. <laughs> Excuse me while I let the dog out. <laughs> All right, and over in... Merry old England. We have Ralph. Hey, folks. And then we have our Bob Ross of painting. That's right. The good old Gaz, 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 Gaz. I haven't got enough hair on my head to be different. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, potentially if you wrapped all the hair of my body to compare to just what was on his head, I still might not have it. <laughs> what, what I just heard was Gaz drop a Photoshop challenge. Ooh. <laughs> all right, you heard it here, folks. If you're out Photoshop there and you're good challenge. with Photoshop or any of those uh, altering softwares, we want to see your best Gaz slash Bob Ross pictures. Post them on the SITREP <laughs> Facebook page. I know what I'm doing for the rest of the day. <laughs> well, so I don't know. I, I thought you had some gaming or streaming going on today. Too late. I've already got them downloaded. <laughs> Glad I could provide the inspiration. All right. So uh, it's been a busy few weeks, you know, for uh, those of us fighting on the front lines of the COVID and for those who are fortunate enough to be able to spend some time hobbying. I know a lot of guys have been working on gaming and painting and et cetera, et cetera. And I know some have to work from home. So being home isn't as much fun as we would think it would be. So let's do a quick catch up with everybody and we'll start over on the other side of the pond. And Gaz, what you been up to? Um, so um done another one for the 13 days equals 13 hours. Uh, I've been cleaning up the other models as well. Uh, I need to log some hours for that. Um, they normally take me maybe 35 minutes. They're actually not too bad. Uh, in addition, I've uh, been playing around with a 3D printer, uh, an Anycubic Photon. So finding my feet with that, which is going to be interesting. And also doing some research into what's available, especially for moderns. And um, found some crazy detailed stuff. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, few weeks ahead of me while I, one, get my head around all the 
ins and outs of the supports of doing 3D prints, but the files that are found, you buy individually, but they are about as detailed as you could possibly get because they're a full 3D scan of military personnel in the poses. So and they look exactly like those poses. Where do you find these files that you're talking about? Um, I'll need to dig back out of the website. It's something, it's like a 360 uh, photo CAD. So they've done all the different types of weapons, guys in different poses, on patrol, you know, looking like they're on patrol, looking, stood in firing positions. And they're CAD files that you can then download, convert to STL as well, and print. So quite nice. scary times. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll have a. I'm still getting my head around printing a base. <laughs> Never mind a miniature, without it melting into the framework of the scaffolding. Uh, I've done a couple now that are right. Uh, I've just been self-teaching with some tutorials on YouTube how to do the actual uh, supports myself. Uh, the first one of them's just come out okay. Uh, it's curing on my windowsill as we speak in the glorious sunshine that is the UK's 14 degrees Celsius, people. None of your crazy Fahrenheit crap. That's for ovens. Oh. Um, <laughs> Got to get these pokes in early as I'm first on. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm um, looking forward to digging into it a bit more. And if I can get it to successfully work, be it as something larger like a bust size mini or something small, um, I will. And uh, I'll post some of the images up on Facebook. Nice. All right. Well, I'll have to check that out. Right. So you got a anti-cubic, huh? I wondered if you'd pull the trigger on one of those. They are awesome little machines. Yeah, very, very intuitive. Not a lot to uh, have to remember or learn with it. And the PDF that you get and is available online, even if you don't want to buy it, you can just type in the uh, Anycubic Photon Manual. It'll come up straight away and it'll show you how easy it is to use and process. The hard part is just that the software that you put the STL files into and then build the scaffolding with is not as good at building scaffolding um, because it's it's more of a generalization. Mm -hmm. So um, as, a, as always, I went to YouTube, hit up, um, found a good site, uh, 3D, uh, I think it's 3D Prints Pro, he's called. He's done about six videos of how to basically scaffold a lot better. And just by watching them, uh, today I've done my first miniature. Uh, it was actually like a Shaolin monk. Uh, and it took me about two and a half hours to scaffold it. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, but as I went through that, I started to get faster and faster. Uh, and I quit partway through and started again. And the final attempt took 40 minutes. Okay. So, so you're doing it manually? You're not doing it automatically? So, yeah, everything I've done on the shield, uh, the dwarf that I just did, um, was from what he told Okay. His videos. Uh, and I've basically built it from the ground up, scaffolding-wise. Okay. And once I take the scaffolding off and have a look at it, if, if it's clean, that's that file done. I don't ever need to redo scaffolding on that file because right. I know it now works. Yep. So that's my aim. Um, and being on one of the patrons that's currently running, um, Titanforge, I, um, I get about 30 to 40 models a month. 40 to 50 bases a month and eight sort of six to eight pieces of terrain as well on an average month. Oh, so they have a Kickstarter going or? Yeah, it's uh, no, it's a patron. Oh, patron. Okay. Uh, it's a $10 patron and you get about three to 400 pounds worth of STL files a month. Wow. Okay. Oh yeah. It's huge. It is huge. I'll have to check out. Titan. Uh, there you go. Titanforge too, guys. Well. Yeah. well, let me it's see. Titan Unfortunately, it's not modern, but Sorry. it does have some really nice, um, 
they're called the Dragon Empire. They're basically Japanese. So you've got the sort of, you've got bowmen, you've got warriors, you've got the lords in the full samurai gear, as well as the more fantastical side, the dragons and such. Um, but there's some beautiful miniatures in there. I'm kind of hoping they get to historical at some point. Uh-huh. And they currently have 5,000 patrons at $10 a month. So this is going to keep going. <laughs> well, I have the page up for everybody who's showing on live because we do this as a video and audio podcast now. And so we have the Titan Forge uh, miniatures. These miniatures look really good. Oh, they're, yeah. they're astounding. Some they are it's, the one, uh, it's the one Warren keeps banging on about on tabletop and Beast of War and stuff. They, they've touted it and stuff and they showed off some of the prints and stuff and some of the prints are amazing. Uh-huh. The, the futuristic Japanese stuff's great for like cyberpunk uh-huh. and things. Yeah. It's yeah. very, very cyberpunk, very that. So if player, if people are looking, I know it's not necessarily what we normally talk about, but if people were looking for doing something with cyberpunk 2077, especially the new role-playing version of cyberpunk that's coming out, you know, and want to do tabletop minis. Yep. And they've got a 3D printer. Oh, they are really nice. Damn it, Kaz, you just did it again. I just, you know, you're not, you don't even have to be here and I spend money. <laughs> but you honest, do have to be there for any painting to get that. Special done. release as well. Uh-huh. So at the moment, they've been releasing so much extra. Uh-huh. They released a whole load of Amazons, including a massive T Rex model. And it's just, they've just gone a little crazy, I think. But um, I'm really interested. I was interested mainly because of the bases, because I'm after resin bases for some of my models. Uh huh. And they have a variety on there, and that's going to keep growing. Uh, then they did the, like um, Ralph has said, this cyberpunk set, and it comes with a full set of scenery that's roadways, street lamps, building walls, um, pavements, cars. Wow. It's all in there. And that was just one month. And then that month you also got the Dragon Age stuff, which is the Samurai, which is kind of why I got Nice. If I'm honest, that's my, that's definitely one of my loves is that sort of era of, 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 of interest. Okay. I'm looking, uh, uh, I have the page up. I'm showing people. I just switched page off because I was putting my payment information and I don't need to be paid for everybody. <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, these are pretty impressive. Cyberpunk, Dragon Empire, Metal Beard. So those are obviously dwarves. dwarves. Yeah. Those are really sharp looking dwarves. Yeah. So, so yeah, met, if, are these um, scaled for 28 mil? I mean, they around 28, 32. I think okay. they're somewhere out there. So yeah, they they pretty much plug and plug and go. Okay, uh, which is the nice thing. If you know how to convert, you can make them any scale you want. So exactly, yeah. With chitter box now and stuff, all you literally yeah. do is type in the conversion scale you want. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm kind of hoping they're going to historical as well. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, I think it'd be just interesting to see what they'd go for and what they'd produce. Um, but if nothing else, you know, for $10 a month, if you're uh, if you're playing D&D with miniatures, uh-huh. uh, the Samurai, uh-huh. if you're looking to do something like Test of Honor, uh-huh. you know, more historical type of things, uh, there's any number of Ronin and Shogun rule sets out there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these things are very pretty, you know, and, and yes, they've got some fantastical elements like the lions. They've got the traditional yeah. Chinese sort of lions yeah, yeah. that are in the chariot. But, their scenery to me as well, because how often do you see that outside the doors to one of the large, you know, buildings or one of the compounds in Japan? Uh, so you put them on a plinth, you know, do them up in metal or as a bronze, or and you've got yourself more scenery as well, which is really cool. These are awesome. So I, I'll definitely have to check these out. You know what this though means, Gaz? I'm gonna have to buy. <laughs> The bigger resin printer, the 
Miopoly one that has the huge build plate so you can do some yeah. of this big scenery instead of doing it in pieces. Well, uh, this this month is Dragon Empire, and their lead model is a general on a huge dragon. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, and it's that traditional long-bodied one as well. It's beautiful. Uh, another nice thing is there's a poll every month. They have a supported Facebook group, a supported site, and the poll each month is to ask um, which you'd prefer out of sort of four options for uh -huh. two months in front so they can start to design and sculpt. <laughs> So every month you kind of choose, you, you know, at least you get a say in what's coming out. I think there was nearly 3,000 people voted last month. Um, it's Dragon Empire again, which will be the third release. So by this point, you've almost got enough. You've easily got enough for a skirmish force now in yeah. models. And if there's a 2.0, like a fourth generation of it, you're pretty much talking army sort of with a selection of minis. You might, you'll have repeats in there. But another thing, nice thing with 3D printing is you can mirror the design. So even though it's a copy of, say, a right-handed archer, by mirroring it on an x-axis, it'll mirror it in the opposite side. So it'd become an opposite-handed archer, but it'd be the exact same model, but at least it looks different. Nice. So, and uh, I know uh, Ralph has got some uh, stuff he might want 3D yeah, printed. Um, I, yeah, I shared the screen with everybody. Can you all see the screen? Um, I shared it here on, fa on Facebook, on Skype. Um, yep. So, Ralph, why don't you take us through this interesting 3D printing project? This, this popped up on uh, one of the many Vietnam Facebook groups that have popped up for gaming in Vietnam. Uh-huh. This popped up, uh, someone posted up, this Kickstarter of collection of STL files for basically creating Hue or other bits of Vietnam scenery. Uh-huh. Um, popped up on Kickstarter. It's coming, if you scroll back up, G. Okay. Just to see when it's happening. So it's coming in June. So the STL files are coming in June. Okay. It's already funded. Yeah, well overfunded, yeah. Well overfunded, but you're getting all of the STL files to create that top cityscape plus a load of others. So if you scroll down, you'll see what else you get. You're getting some brown water navy vehicles. Yeah. Um, all scalable. I think initially it's all the building stuff are 28, okay. but you'll be able to scale them That's up and down. That's a huge printing project then. Yeah, there will be a huge printing project. I think the buildings are 28, but I think the, the and everything is 28. But as oh, we know, with I like most the barracks. Yeah, you'll be able to scale up and down and things like that with with them. Yeah. Um, and if you intermix this with Empress dropped this week, some new resin bits they're doing for Vietnam, uh -huh. which is Command CP, a tower, like what's there? The Cobra camp. helicopter, scroll down. Yes, there's a copper. <laughs> Jim, we need Heinz. <laughs> Sweet Jesus, uh, that actually looks good. Mm -hmm. That might be the 3D render, though. Not I know, but still, I mean, if if yeah. it, you know, if you can get a good resin print off of something like that, holy oh, yeah. moly! Um, but like I was saying, Empress dropped their resin sets that are coming out. So there was a CP, there was a command tent, there was some trench line, there was a. You know, some other bits as well, like a gate as well. Uh -huh. And they're doing them in resin bits that are going part of the Empress scenery. So you could intermix them with really nice 3D prints and create a firebase in 28 mil. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the hovercraft doing there? Did they use these freaking things yes. in Vietnam? Yes. Jim? Um, I'll let the experts keep talking. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> they did have hovercraft uh, vehicles in Vietnam. Okay. Uh, that's news to me. All right. 
Parkway Railway Station. Wait a minute. There it is. There we go. It's a Huey. There's a. There's you cannot a have Vietnam without a Huey. I'm just going to say it. There's a company called, is it 3D Prints or something? There's, there's a 3D battle print company that do PLA prints um, in 15, 20, and 28 millimeter. Uh-huh. And they've got 15, 20, and 20 millimeter of a Huey with different options. Nice. So it's either got the rocket pods or the chain guns or the, the heavy rocket mount stuff. Okay, so you can do a uh, Huey as a slick, or you can do it as a yeah. hog, a gunship. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. well, that's cool. Um, and that's on a different company. They sell the prints, and uh-huh. I think it's like 15 quid for a PLA print of a of a Huey. Okay. You got you got a, a Loach or a Hughes, the yeah. OH-6s. Little Bird. Uh, little Bird is the modern term. Bird. Back in Vietnam, these were called loaches. Loaches, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking from modern. Yeah, so uh, back in Vietnam, these were loaches. These were scout helicopters at the most part. Um, yeah, but that's a, yeah. You could you could put the platforms on the side and make it a modern one for... Yeah, uh, could use it. Platform. Definitely could use it. Uh, the rotor t- design's a little different these days, but yeah, no, it, you could easily yeah. adapt it for modern. Got yeah. LCMs, because they were still using those, I understand. Um, bunkers, nice. Uh, M48, okay. Ooh. That's my, um, isn't that my um, tank, um, top tank, tank of choice? Yes, I believe it was, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very maneuverable. It could also be dropped in. It was, so if uh, you guys have not seen that, <laughs> oh, my God, where do we have that? I'd have to go back on Beast of War to find that. But uh, <laughs> well, I should definitely be out to the patrons at some point. Then. <laughs> uh, we, I'll definitely link it. Um, but uh, we did a top tank. You know, remember Top Gear um, mm-hmm. when it used to be good, you know, when Clarkson and, and, and all those guys used to be on it instead of the new guys? Uh, we did our own version called Top Tank. Uh, we did it at the Contigny or Cantini Museum, um, where they have all the tanks outside. So we all picked a tank. So um, I know I picked the uh, Sheridan, yeah, M551. You picked the M48. I, yeah. Um, I can't remember you what Justin the, picked. You made the right choice, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jim. It's only from hours of watching your stuff that I managed to between, between the Patton and the Sheridan, you picked the right choice. Oh, come on. <laughs> I had no love for the Sheridan. Come on. It's an airborne tank. Exactly. Jim's not wrong. <laughs> you guys you say airborne harsh. and tank in the same sentence, you're already in, on, in the wrong conversation. <laughs> oh, oh, man, that's harsh, man. <laughs> Much like um, we used to refer to the 25th Infantry Division, too light to fight, too heavy to move. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did see something when well. we were talking about 3D printing there, folks. I did see something. Um, there's a YouTuber I watch called Uncle Jesse, and he does reviews and stuff for 3D printers and things. Yeah. Um, this past couple of weeks, he's been doing reviews of the new Elegoo Saturn. Yeah. Which is a huge, large print, large base resin printer. Yeah. Probably yeah. twice the size of the Mars, at least, yeah. by the looks of it. But also, the, um, he did a review, which is an old review of the washable resin. Awesome. As in water washable resin. Okay. Interesting. So you don't need... I don't uh, know about that. I mean, I, I guess I'd have to check it out. But I mean, I just use rubbing alcohol to yeah. clean mine. Well, with. this was instead of using things like the the PLA and stuff for cleaning the models. Yeah, just straight water. Okay, we're gonna do uh, it. That's really cool. good. 
We're going to do a reaction video. Um, everybody see the ch- screen? <laughs> <laughs> you see the disgust in G's face with Justin at this point. Right? <laughs> so we're going to do a reaction video. And Jim, please, all the size and uhs you want, it's all good. Yeah, that's, that's all good. <laughs> all right, here we go. Please talk and feel free to comment. Can you all hear it? No. Uh, no, no, I, no, I can see you playing. Because I'm not just for me. No, I can't hear it either. Okay. Um, uh, it's always good to see uh, Justin and Sam again. <laughs> Stick the link in for another time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're hearing it on on the recording. It, we just can't oh, hear cool. it. Oh, that's all right. It's very stop-start here. I don't know if it's the same there. Yeah, oh, I'm stopping it. Yeah, because it'll be um, yeah. streaming through... All right. Well, I'll link that up so everybody can hear it, and we can. But I mean, get uh, Lance did a really good job with the intro here. <laughs> oh yeah, there's little hub, hub gaps. That's a road wheel. It's tanks. And here's Justin's pick. Stewart's not bad, <laughs> especially the M5. It is a. It is really good in Flames of War when it gets to the flanks of my Panzer Force. <laughs> it, yeah, I was going to say, flanks. And, well, it's it's a Crusader that actually works. So, <laughs> the speed, oh my God, look at the size of that star. Um, <laughs> uh, it says, hit here. I was going to say, it's not, not just a target. It's, uh, yeah, uh, yellow stars were very, very early war. That's like the U.S. and like early 42. Could you get any bigger flags on it? Did it have an area with one? That's America. Usually the M5s were the ones that were sent out to other countries. That was usually the. Uh, there you go, Jim. Uh, Let loose. Export. Let loose. Go on, Jim. It's, it's it's just a Sheridan. I mean, it, what are you? It do? looks like an amphibious vehicle. I did my best James May impression ever. It was grand. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say this much: um, it's not the tank's fault that the tank is terrible. Um, the Americans in the early '60s. No, I'm serious. The Americans in the early '60s were playing around with that 152 millimeter shillelagh. Yeah, it's a guided anti-tank missile that it fires out of a main gun. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, oh, that's almost like a Sarah Palin impression right there. You have the right tank on your hand. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, that's not a tank, Sam. You keep walking. Um, He's working on it. He's building if they, they could have gotten that Shillelagh to be a little bit more You didn't do an M48. You did a Chaffee. That's a Chaffee. Yeah, that's, that's not an M48. <laughs> Guys. Tell the truth, It'll be fine. <laughs> like I said, I learned everything from Jim. Is that a Chaffee or an M41 Bulldog? No, I think that's a Chaffee. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The site right. said Chaffee. It's totally a Chaffee, yeah. Um, I got like this tiny little window <laughs> in the corner playing it. Yeah, that's a Chaffee. Chaffee's not bad. Chaffee in World War II was awesome for a light tank. That's what, was, that's what the Americans used to replace the store. Um, but that, the, not to like get down on the, on, the, uh, on the museum there, but I'm pretty sure the markings on that store were incorrect. That huge yellow star and the big uh, the big flag <laughs> on the side. Well, not only are they just way too big, but the M5. So the Stuart is the M3 and the M5. And the Americans built the M3. <laughs> <and it was laughs> All right. 
<laughs> so, Jim, what you missed was that uh, Sam was saying that that was the uh, he found a tiger tank and it was oh, an no. M48 painted up, you know, with a Vietnam tiger. So, <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. And that was the end of Justin, not uh, Justin, not uh, John, watching yeah. the video. Gotcha. So, I'll link <laughs> yeah. it up so everybody can actually hear the dialogue because it was pretty good. I mean, we did it on the fly, it was not planned. Uh, we, we, you know, we had a day before Gen Con, so we went to the uh, museum and, uh, you know, we're like, hey, why don't we do something stupid? And we came up with Top Tank. So there you go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, it's awesome to see those projects. I cannot wait to see some of the stuff. So, yeah, M48, oh. M113. Yep. Holy crap. Who's going to have time to print that? Well, you with your new printer. Well. During the coronavirus. <laughs> 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 Sat at home. I reverse during the coronavirus. Probably. But I can tell you what, you can make a pretty awesome table. Oh, Man. yeah. But 28 mil, do you know how long that's going to take to print? Well, you would probably put it in something like Cura and cut it, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. you have to. I, I'm assuming it comes as a multiple uh, yeah. part file. Mm -hmm. Meg. Those, um, Meg 15s, Meg 17s. Uh, 17, so if it's Vietnam, think, yeah. It, it yeah. must be a 17. If it's, yeah, it's, I, can't, I can't really see it. If it's um, PT-76s, that's for um, that's for Long Vang. Yeah, if it's Vietnam, uh, it should be MiG-17s. But again, I can't really... Is that what it says there? There's a Saber. A Super Saber or F-86, yeah. A Sabers. Yep. A Sandpan. Oh, Sandpan looks good. That's an actual yeah. print. So yeah. that actually looks pretty good. There's a lot of stuff there, isn't there? There, there is. is, and for the price as well, it's it's the it's it's quite you know a reasonable collection of okay. So buildings and I some like a crap ton of stuff. There is a uh -huh. crap ton of stuff, but here's my my thing. So far, all we've seen uh -huh. is one actual print. Yeah. So I would like to see the, all these how they actually print, because it's one thing to design them on a CAD. It's another thing to print the reality. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Oh, the U.S. Embassy? Yeah. Seriously? Yes. Oh, yeah. Let me let me get the embassy I mean, manager. Let's whoa, do whoa, this. Whoa, whoa. Which scale is this? this? this <laughs> That's like a six-story building in real life. Well, look, Jim. It, there, it actually breaks down to each floor. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really big. Watchtower. Man, you, when you're thinking about scenery, though, you're not talking necessarily about resin printers. You're talking no, stuff you're like not. bars. You're talking about stuff with much bigger beds. Yeah. What is this? Antos. I don't know what that is. It's a, uh, it's a Marine Corps vehicle oh, that, uh, yeah, it didn't, it's, it's kind of like our version of the uh, Sheridan. Ah! <laughs> 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 The, the price for everything wow. on there, yeah? That, yeah. That, that's everything. This is the UK price in pounds. It's £35. What? So it's like $50. US. I may be getting this, by, by the way. Oh, guys. I am definitely <laughs> getting this. Damn oh, it. Look, they've even got the... Uh, Here, let me go back the down. I, there's the more. I'm, I thought we were done, but there's actually no. more. Yes. A crash, Chewy. In okay. the desert. Oh, there you go. <laughs> A saber. You can even paint that up as desert as well. So yeah. this would be transferable to. So you know, then you can make this a Marine Corps, really. Huey. 
Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the really flying, so. But they they're flying them now. I mean, they still fly them. But it's a that one's super Huey or whatever they're called, the twin engine uh, version. Okay. So I mean, you know, if you want to make it modern scenario, you could use it as a replacement for the super Huey. There's a neat little uh, comparison as far as that M50 Antos we were talking about yeah. before. So the Marine Corps definitely still uses AH-1, I think they're the W, um, Super Cobras. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Left over from, you know, literal. I mean, it's not a direct line of sight, but pretty much the same general bird as Vietnam. Because the Marines will use something and use yep. something and use something until it literally falls apart beneath them. They quietly just kind of discontinued the Antos in like 1965. Huh. And they had hundreds of these things. So that gives you an idea of... When the Marine Corps passes it up, it's usually pretty bad equipment. Because um, <laughs> usually we have to use, like, the leftover, leftover, leftovers, and we will use it and weld it back together and use it and weld it, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. When um, the Marines say the hell with it, I'd rather walk. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, it's got a pretty good reputation. Like, you will like you look it up on YouTube or, or on Google, you're going to find a hundred little enthusiasts who, oh yeah, it's a hidden gem from God knows when. It had a good reputation because it did have a good, uh, it had a good reputation in, um, in, in uh, Hawaii City. It's basically, they took this old, I don't even know what the hell it was originally, this tiny old, AP, I don't even know if it was an APC, this very, very, very light, comically small, like the size of a Humvee, uh-huh. um, armored vehicle. I don't even remember where the hell they got these from or what they were originally. And they just pretty much, pretty much strapped six, I think uh, 100, those 106 millimeter recoilless rifles to it. And you would just drive this thing up to a street or down the street up to a bunker or to a house where, you know, the NBA had a little bunker or something. And it, it was bulletproof. It wasn't really rocket proof, but it was very light armored, but technically it was armored. Yeah. You just cook off these 605 millimeter or 106 millimeter recoilless rifles. And, you know, that's the end of that. And then the infantry rushes in. So, you know, at point blank range, you know, close range, lots of cover, like urban terrain, it did pretty good. Because it was so small, it could maneuver through a lot of streets. Yeah. That a lot of the M48s, like we saw in Task Force X ray, uh, uh, you know, 5th Marine uh, Battalion, Tank Battalion, 3rd Marine Tank Battalion, the, the guys that were actually involved in Hue, um with Task Force X ray and everything else like that. The, the, the patents had a tough time getting down those streets. So Antos could get in between these little nooks and crannies. So you'll find a lot of people that have a lot of nice things to say about the Antos, but really it was, it was, it was, a, it was an effective stopgap that had one really, really good shining moment, but pretty much it was, uh, it was, it was uh, pretty terrible. Huh? Yeah. I, I, like I said, that was news to me on that one. I had no idea they used those. All right. At, at, at a no, brief thanks. little moment. Okay. All right. So I'm sorry, Ralph. I know we got on a tangent. Uh, no, that's fine. Uh, what else have you been up to? Are you still working pretty um, hard or you had some hobby? Yeah, I was still, still working hard. I've, I've done a bit of hobby, but it was mainly just some writing for something, some other project that I'm working on for my class. So okay. I was doing some Photoshop stuff and some printing, uh, some writing up and things. So it hasn't been really wargaming related and or more historical wargame related is more fantasy sci-fi stuff. So gotcha. well, that's been know. my hobby. <clears throat> and also keeping track of what's coming up in the news. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say, I mean, you know, gaming, whether it's, you know, in our genre or just some gaming, it's nice to have that break from the craziness of the world it is. So yeah. uh, we encourage all forms of gaming. Obviously, we're on the historical sides of things, um, but uh, we encourage all gaming. Um, all right, Jim. What you been up to? You've had a few projects in the works. How did uh, the American War of Independence go? 
Uh, went pretty well. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the Americans won that game. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's been um, at least three things going on lately. Um, the two major ones, at least for the last couple of weeks, have been uh, DNBN Foo. Uh, we've been doing a lot of DNBN Foo with um, Piotr over there in Poland. Uh-huh. Um, in Valorant Victory. So what we've been doing is that now that I'm working from home is because, um, you know, he's in a very different time zone. He's, he's even further to the uh, further to the east than uh, Gaz and Ralph over there. Um, is that it's tough for us to get together and have and, and you know get a time. So we've been gaming on lunch hours. Oh, okay. So he, he gets home from work at, you know, six or seven or whatever. He's ready to start. By then it's only like noon or maybe, uh, you know, one o'clock over here for me. So again, because I'm working from home, um, yeah, we are definitely still working, but at least, you know, we still get a lunch hour and I'm already at home. I literally just swing my office chair from one computer to the other. And uh, we're able to, uh, you know, fire up these little, uh, these little mini sessions, hour and a half, hour long sessions. And um, yes, yeah, so we've been gaming literally five days a week, like every day this week, um, with Valor and Victory, uh, Dan Benfu. And we've run these games like several times now. Uh, we had our original game, and then we've run the uh, Assault on Beatrice One, Strong Point Beatrice One, twice. Uh, the first one was a disaster. Um, the game wasn't even close to, uh, to bounce directly. I did not design that scenario very well. Um, my Vietmin was where they didn't even make it to the French uh, bunkers. Oh, really? Like, yeah, I was out, I outnumbered him like almost three to one, and every single one of my units, I, I was tabled. I put a well, you've you've been in these big Valorant victory yep, games, Amg. Yep. Um, I put a full reinforced battalion. So picture every single one of those um, those eighty second airborne counters, uh-huh. uh, like that size of a force, and I didn't even make it out of the water. They You're all kidding. were killed. Yeah, before they even got to the French fortifications. Um, and that, again, these games, Valor and Victory, Panzer Leader, that focus strictly on rules, will teach you these kind of lessons. Like, okay, what did I forget? What did I forget? You know what I forgot to put in that, that for the first game? The effects of the Viet Minh artillery that went down. Oh, you didn't put the artillery barrages in there? <sighs> Not really. Oh, uh, okay. There was artillery during the game normally, but uh-huh. again, that place was under French artillery. That place was under Vietnam artillery fire for two hours before that. Yeah, um, historically. So you work that into the game with some of the World War One artillery pre-barrage rules that we used or we created for our World War One expansion. It's a World War One game in French Indochina. There yeah. are French trenches. You look at aerial photographs, because we did we did a lot of research on this. You look at aerial photographs for Beatrice, it was one of the strong points at Dien Ben Phu, and it's literally World War One trenches. If you showed that without captions next to a photograph of Verdun, you would not be able to tell the difference, um, except for maybe like the graininess of the photo. Other than that, you would not, you'd be like, okay, which one is which? Because they look exactly the same. Barbed wire, belts of barbed wire, interlock trenches, a front line, contact trench, a back support trench, um, crenulated support trenches that connected to, I mean, it's literally a World War One table. So I wound up using most of my old World War One rules that we used when we expanded Valor and Victory into 1918. Okay. Um, and then as I'm building that table, uh, Yavasa or Piotr uh, is his real name. Yavasa is his handle over there on uh, on, uh, on tabletop. Is like he, he's the thing I love about gaming with Piotr is he'll he'll get into the history even more than I do. So wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Er, hold yeah. on, who gets into it more than you do? 
That's um, not possible. <laughs> Piotr definitely does. Wow. That's why that's why some of these games took five days to play because we'll start, you know, trading sources and before you know it, he's got you know, he's got he knows even more about this this the the uh, not so much the Vietnam War, but French and China War. He knows, you know, more about than I do. And um we're like, this really looks like a World War One table. This really looks like a World War One table. I can't believe how much this looks like a World War One table. He's like, well, here's one reason. And he's got the source that confirms that the only thing the French had to go on was an old manual from 1916, How to Dig a Trench. So, yeah, the Mben Phu, the French were literally using 1916 tactics. Um, that was the only manual they had as far as how to actually set up their defenses and set up their trenches, fields of fire, um, the belts of uh, barbed wire, minefields, and so on. And yeah, the the Viet Minh went through there, and sure enough, they got uh, they got torn up in the first game. I was like, you know what? Let's work in those World War One pre barrage rules. It wasn't much, but you, usually when you're trying to fix a scenario, it's a small choice, uh-huh. a small adjustment you have to make, and uh, so it's always a small adjustment, and never just add things because the first thing was like, oh, the Viet Minh don't have enough people. Yeah, I'm like, well, we know how many people the Vietnam had, the Viet Minh had there. So if I just stack another whole battalion behind that, number one, now the game's unplayable. And number two, it's historically inaccurate because, you know, we know that it was the 141st of the 420. i reverse that. The 428th of the 141st, you know, that they don't, they didn't have another battalion there. And, uh, well, what did they have? They had that artillery. Well, it won't make a big difference, but let's try it. And it made all the difference in the world. So, yeah, never assault position without artillery support. Uh, the, the, the artillery went in, knocked out just a few French uh, squads, suppressed a couple of their bunkers, up went the new assault. Um, my sappers opened up uh, gaps in the barbed wire. The assault troops went through. We started launching more assaults. It. Uh, I, I still didn't take the whole fort, the whole um, strong point in one go, which is sort of the historical result. Uh-huh. But the score came down to a precise tie, 148 to 148. Um, that's including uh, unsecured casualties, secured casualties, prisoners of war, so on and so forth. Um, it really came down to the, uh, a dead tie. So we've been doing a lot with uh, Dian Benfu, and uh, as far as that goes. And then the other thing was, uh, yeah, Battlefield Rebellion, like you were talking about before. Um, Battlefield Rebellion is a war game that we're designing strictly here for SITREP. Um, it sort of takes a, uh, a tactical look at, uh, um, at the American uh, War of Independence or the American Revolution, if you prefer. And, um, yeah, the results there have been, uh, have been great so far. Nice. I, yeah, it looked really good. And that is a custom-built game? So everybody's well, yeah, I mean, are, are, are we looking at Victoria Cross 2 or what? No, no, that's you guys see it. The people aren't seeing that. That's, oh, gotcha. Okay, I'll let you great. know when I share it. Oh, no worries, no worries. Um, I just didn't want to be talking about one thing, and we're displaying something else. All right, so um, American Rebellion, or sorry, a Battlefield Rebellion. Yeah, it's a game we uh, that we're pretty much creating here for SITREP. And um, it's been through lots of solitaire playtesting. We've been doing it now live. Um, the big friend that helped me out with that one is uh, Dylan. He's been a great supporter of uh, of. Uh, that was sit rep. What kind of got me restart. This is an older project, but kind of what got me restarted was he's had a great series of videos on his YouTube channel. Um, it's uh, another historian war gamer. I'll uh, give a quick, he's given a lots of plugs to us. So let's yes, definitely Richard. Most definitely. He, yeah, he's um, he had a great series of, uh, of videos on the movie um, uh, Waterloo. So, I mean, practically everybody's seen that movie. The old, I think it's Rod Steiger plays Napoleon. Um, 
a great movie. And he like kind of like goes through it from like perspective of not only a war gamer, but also like a history buff. And he like, you know, sort of compares it to uh, how you could do it in the game, in different games, um, like different scenes of the, of the movie or whatever. Um, how you could game it, what's accurate, what's not. Um, and anything black powder. So again, he's written some great articles on, on tabletop back in the day for French and Indian war. He knows a lot about the French and Indian war. He knows a fair amount about the revolution and he's, yeah, he's an absolute uh, God when it comes to uh, Napoleonics as well. So, you know, 1755, 1776, 1805 to 1815. He, he's in that, he, he, he's, he, he's definitely in that period. So he was definitely the kind of guy that I wanted to have play test this. And also last, I'm like, look, Let's just play it, have fun, have a good stream. But also, if anything here seems weird, you know, yep. let me know. If anything here looks doesn't look right or whatever. And uh, again, given our, um, given the uh, the echelon level or the command level of this game, every piece in the game is between sixty and hundred men. So it's like two companies. Uh, you can put a battalion together with like three pieces. Um, a division would be like twenty pieces or whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Um, you know, it doesn't get down into the weeds. It's definitely not a skirmish game. Uh, it's a it's a level two command tactical game. So the detail is a little bit forgiving, um, but we've got some great stuff in there. Excellent. So I, far, I'm, I'm uh, sharing uh, the title screen for your Battlefield oh, cool. Rebellion, so everybody out there can see it. And I'm just this is from your last video. I mean, I to me, it's one of those special. Uh, eras of American history that doesn't get as much attention as I think it should, obviously since it's the birth of our nation, but uh, you know, everybody wants to do the Civil War or World War II, so um, I, I appreciate you taking on this, and obviously your screen name comes from Oh yeah, Pat Alvariskini. Yeah, there you go. So. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the smaller but more ferocious uh Revolutionary War battles. Yeah, American Revolution, as far as you know, a war gaming goes. I don't know about culturally, but within our hobby, American Revolution doesn't get as much play as say Napoleonic, or even here in the states, or definitely Civil War. Um, uh, the battles are so small; it's tough to find. Uh, well, that's not really true. I was about to say it's tough to find unbiased sources. Um, because, uh, you know, especially here in the States, the American Revolution is just it has like this almost, you know, mythological kind of a status to it. Yeah. Um, so whenever you start reading about the American Revolution, especially here in the States, you are going to have to kind of burn your way through a little bit of uh, patriotic fog as far as, you know. Uh, the the material goes. Um, there are definitely some 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 good sources out there, and like we were talking in a previous stream, so I won't just you know blather on and repeat ourselves. Um, yeah, the Americans lose like ninety percent of the battle, oh, at least three quarters of the battles. Yeah. Um, so balance is tough. I mean, you're talking about a, a, a force that in some parts of the war were pretty much just, you know, random farmers with their granddaddy, you know, fouling muskets or whatever up against what was at the time, you know, the most powerful army on, on the planet. Uh, the British were not nearly as strong as, you know, sometimes Americans like to make them think um, or, or make them peer because, again, it was very tough in those days. It's tough nowadays uh, to ship an entire army and support it, you know, transcontinental across the ocean. Mm -hmm. So the British were never as strong as they wish they could be or as they hope they could be. Um, even at the time, their invasion of New York was the largest expedition the British Empire had ever sent anywhere at the time. And you add it all together, it's only 40,000 men, and that includes the fleet. 
It's really like an army of 20, 25,000 men. Yeah. Waterloo tops the scales at a quarter, at uh, like 200,000 troops. And it's only like 30 or 40 years later. Leipzig goes out to almost 300,000, quarter wow. of a million. And, and American Revolution, the biggest battle, had a total of 30,000 men on both sides. Um, so it's 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 war by Kickstarter. Uh, the American Revolution is. It's <laughs> the Americans are obviously having to put this army together on a shoestring budget. They they don't even have money. They don't have a bank. Our first bank isn't founded until 1781. So forget you know huge defense budgets or anything else like that. And the British, I mean, every bullet, every uniform, every belt buckle has to be shipped. You know, three thousand miles across the, uh, the Atlantic in those days. Yeah. With those ships, um, getting a letter across the Atlantic took two and a half months in those days. So you can imagine trying to ship an army over there, and never mind, you know, trying to to command it, trying to control it. You know, in every message, you know, at least from the high off, from like Parliament or the you know the War Department, you know, from high level command, strategic command, it takes two months to send a single message. So that's four months to make any kind of strategic decision because you have to get a report, you have to think about it, you have to make the decision and to ship that answer back. I yeah. mean, yeah, you're fighting with one foot in a bucket as far as, you know, meanwhile, the Americans are basically like this, you know, guerrilla insurgent force in a lot of these battles. And Oops. yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. I don't know how that came up, but okay. All right. Uh, Marty? You there? What up? What's you been, been up here. to? <laughs> well, uh, working at, working from home, although my workload uh, has uh, been slowly diminishing, so I've had more and more hobby time as uh-huh. I stay home. So uh, let's see. Uh, well, uh, I completely I finished my uh, Spectre starter set that I got with the uh, version two uh, rules. So those guys are all done, painted, based, ready to hit the table. Uh, I worked on the uh, the technical and the crew for uh, 13 hours. Uh, those guys are done and ready to go. And whenever we can, like, you know, actually be in person again, I'll swing that by your place and we'll add that to the pile of painted lead. Yeah. And then uh, because my, the uh, the Spectre starter set that I got, I didn't get the I didn't get the new one. I got the uh, the one that has uh, Rangers and Spetsnats. Not that I'm upset about that, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know I don't I don't mean to make it sound like it's yeah get ripped off. Nothing like that. However, uh, I was kind of hoping to do uh, like an Afghanistan type uh, scenario. Uh-huh. Uh So. Uh, Shipping from the UK to the US is kind of sketchy right now. Fortunately, Tim over at Footsore North America, which is in St. Louis, yes, it so is. it only has to come up half the state. Uh, I got uh, his uh, uh, Afghan insurgent range, and because it was a lot of models and they were kind of cool and they were on sale, I also got the French Foreign Legion. Uh huh. And then because my guys need something to ride around on. I also got a Humvee. So <laughs> nice. So those are all, uh, uh, getting primed and assembling the Humvee and whatnot. I'm getting ready to paint that guy up. And then, uh, you know, as, uh, as Ralph was saying earlier, uh, 
Spectre has their Salute exclusive with all their previous limited oh, edition let me models. Pull that up so people can see that. I was looking at that printer that Ralph sent me. Let me see. Bring up that so people can see. As of this recording, and this is a live show, guys, so please remember yeah. um, it may or may not still be available. As of today, which is Sunday the 19th, it is still available. Uh, it's a pre-order item. <coughs> Um, they cannot give a firm shipping date. Here, let me share it now. Let me... And I'll go full screen so you all can see it. So that is uh, what they currently have. Is I like this Ranger, the Wounded right. Ranger. That's really... That's what tipped it in for me, yeah. so... Uh... <laughs> So anybody who has been military or is still military, you will definitely make a connection to that because you never leave your buddy behind. So um, I think that was Salute 2018. Oh, was that a previous Salute uh, Mini? Yes. Okay. All, all yeah, of these all of them are. are. All of them are previous Salute Minis. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that um, helps. I, I missed out on them. You can't get them ones anymore. I've got the f – I when it was – first came out the first two sloop minis i remember them doing they probably did ones were the guy with the what's called the juggernaut uh-huh so it's the russian trooper with the heavy armor and the heavy mg uh-huh which will go and well with my spets nets and the female sniper in gray nice. the female operator uh-huh and i got her by herself i didn't pick up the juggernaut okay um and if you look in the bottom corner as well that's a kickstarter that green the isa, the ISA that's one of their kickstarter oh, ones oh nice because I, I, I don't know how I missed out on their Kickstarter years ago. I, I Well, I wasn't big into Kickstarter when they came out. So, uh, But, no, those are nice minis. I'm glad they're redoing them. Um, I ordered two sets um, just because. Um, so, yeah, so if somebody wants to become my really, really good friend, I might give away a set. <laughs> so. the, the, the guy supporting, the injured guy supporting the other one, yeah? Yeah. Came out the same time as they released their Ranger set. So uh -huh. it was the first time that they'd released their Ranger set. So if you look under under the minis on the, the left there, G, and US Rangers, you'll uh -huh. see. Uh, under US Special Forces. It's under the US, yeah, that one there, you'll see Rangers. Yep. So when this set was originally launched, uh -huh. that came out as the Kickstarter because it goes with that set. Gotcha. They're they're nice miniatures. Uh, I really look at it. Everybody sold out, sold out, sold out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, it's that's the that's the problem. You know, being a, a, now it's a two person operation because Matt's not associated with them anymore. Is that correct? Is that what I uh, we Matt, were told? Matt is no longer associated with them. He's still he's still a fan, and yeah. he's, he's you know he's come out and said that on on a couple yeah, he, of groups. Matt's stuff. been writing uh, some. Uh, some supplemental rules too that uh, he did the jungle set rules for them yeah yeah i mean Before he was the main writer of the rule book didn't so. didn't he collaborate with uh with somebody else that uh wrote like a 12 page supplement for zombie rules uh he may have he may might have, have done the zombie stuff that's that popped up this past week on the uh, so uh, Facebook we still well, need but, to get with john chang about yes. uh, black powder red earth because we were going to do something at adepticon and now that's Unfortunately, yeah, um, but we'll definitely work on it with them. So, yeah, that's a set of minis I recommend. They are app when you see them up close, probably they're they're astounding. They really are. The yeah. sculpt Steven's done on them is amazing. So, um, yeah, like I said, I ordered two sets. Um, I might see if I can get Steven to send us a, a giveaway set, um, you know, as a thing. So, uh, real quick, um, Marty, what else have you been working on? 
So uh, to uh, to round it out, uh, as you guys know, I'm a Dust 1947 fan, so uh, I am uh, working on my little pile of, I would say gray, but my stuff's already pre- comes pre-primed green, so my pile of green there. Uh, so I've got a, 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 a Dust uh, 1947 Ranger squad that I'm working on, as well as... Uh, one of the allied aircraft. Yeah. So, and, and if, okay, it's not historical. It's the, what if weird historical, I know it Jim's eyes twitching right now, but that's, okay. yeah, yeah. that's, that's all fine. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, for a fun, easy game, you know, it's, it's a popcorn game and we enjoy it. And I think we I convinced my brother to play now, huh? I was on yeah. the conversation yeah. going on there. And yeah, we might he, even he try a tabletop simulator, you know, while we're quarantined or social isolation or whatever the hell we're calling it these days. Um, so, uh, Ralph, we, I, you know, really looking into this uh, tabletop simulator for, as another mm-hmm. option to play some games. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Dust is one of those options. Um, so, go ahead. There's, there's a, I've got a bunch of assets because you can just get the assets. So, there's a bunch of Op4 and Mail for doing modern. Yeah. Uh, someone put Spectre on there. Yep. Uh, Sangin's on there. You yep. can download a thing for Sangin. Yep. There is a Old bunch of them. 3D minis and stuff like there's a crew, there's a tanker. Yep. To, to scale for the mini, so you could do the whole raid on, you know, on a on a on a tank or whatever. Um, what else was on there that I've noticed? Black Ops. Yep, is on there as well. Um, so the Osprey games on there. Um, going away from what historical, there's there's some stuff for six mil. Yeah. So doing like big. Big, you know, say doing the uh, uh, Battle of Ariskini and doing, you know, things in Civil War or uh, War of Independence or, you know, historical. There's a bunch of different things on them there for that. Um, what else? There's a bunch of science fiction stuff for people that are wanting to do, say, 40K and things. Um, bold action is very heavily on there. Uh-huh. And, so is Black, and so is Black Powder. Yeah. Yeah, there. I, I mean, a lot of stuff for black powder. There's, there's all sorts on there for, for doing different things. If you go to the workshop option G on the top, uh huh. So if you go to the very top, uh, uh, community workshop. Community. Yep. Yeah. Click on workshop. Yeah. Yep. Let that load up, and then on the search bar there, you see where it's got the search. Yep. Uh, type tabletop. It's not in that one. It's, there's somewhere else. So you need to be. You need to go I need into to actually the be in Steam, and I'm just doing it from a yeah. website. Uh, ah, but, that's right. Yeah, I was going to show people tabletop, but the thing that people need to understand about Tabletop Simulator, it does not play the game for you. You oh. have to know the rules. You have to have a copy of the rules. It is just literally a tabletop simulator. You move pieces. You can roll dice, but it will not. You say you can't do that. You know, it doesn't actually let you. Uh, it doesn't play the game for you like some simulations. It, it literally is just a virtual tabletop, so yeah. you still have. Yeah, to, there's no AI or yeah, anything yeah, no involved AI. with there's, this. There's some scripting and some of the stuff that you can download because they've scripted in action, specific actions that need to take place. Uh-huh. You know, like things like. But it doesn't actually play the rule set at all. The one I was looking at, which has been done by the company, was Warfighter. Uh huh. So Warfighters on Tabletop Simulator. Yeah. With all of the supplements. Okay. With like nine nine of the supplements that came with it. 
Okay. Um, so it was, here, it I'll was, uh, line here. I, I'm not showing it yet, but I'll pull mine up real yeah. quick. But yeah, um, I mean, it gives us an option because it's kind of segues into something. Um, our good buddy, Chris, uh, not Chris Long up in um, Canada, but Chris the Wimmer, uh, who's, yep. you know, a uh, behind the scenes supporter of the podcast, has provided us with a dedicated server machine. Um, uh, this isn't, he could tell you all the specs, but it's actually something pulled out of a huge corporation. It has, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'd have to pull up this thing, but it's, it's like a professional high grade server. Um, so we can start hosting dedicated uh, games of Arma, uh, DCS, you know, anything that we can connect with the server. We will have a dedicated server running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so it's got a metric crap ton of storage. And yeah, it's like is really fast. Re- yeah, it's crazy. So um, let me close this out here. But. He, he also bought the uh, salute set, so that yeah. will sit on his shelf next to everything else he hasn't painted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, if you're I, listening, Chris, we still love you and we appreciate it, but, you know. <laughs> no, that's what he said he's going to do with it. I yeah. talked to him yesterday. <laughs> well, I've got – what have I got? I've got um, a set of plastic drawers, you know, that, that you would put tools and stuff in and things like that, like just yeah. – Bits with, and the top drawer is full of Spectre minis in their boxes, ready to be deboxed, based and primed, ready to be printed. Yeah, so I, I am uh, showing the screen right now. This is Tabletop Simulator. I'm just, I'm not going to really do anything. I'm just going to show you some of the options you can do. So, uh, right now, these are the games I have loaded. I have ASL Starter Kit One, Panzer Leader, Spectres right here. I have some Milsim models, so I'll, I'll load this up just so you can see what these look like. Uh, I got Mafia, Cartel. I can get them to pop up. So that's what they kind of look like. So you can actually take these and play them. You can also duplicate them as well. Yeah, so you if can you need make all kinds. So, you know, it's um, like I said, it's here's SEAL Team 6. Oops. So, you know, alone you can, and unafraid. That's right. <laughs> So you can use these for, you know, playing a miniatures game. Uh, so, you know, like right now, it's, um, you know. Well, you said the time. rules themselves are not actually coded into the. Into right. The but, uh, let me show you this, Jim. Um, which is which is a good thing. I'm not talking yes. down about it. No, it's, no, it's a good thing because then you still have to buy the ga- game, you know. Yeah, not only that, but most of these games are, are, are kind of broken or at least need some kind of uh, yeah. modification. So here's you put that in a more positive way. Okay. Yeah, perfect example. Uh, Panzer Blitz is a game. I mean, I've talked about it a million times. Uh, it's one of my favorite games. Nevertheless, it does need some love out of the box. Yeah. Um, and the problem with uh, people, but I've tried for years to get me on things like Vassal, which is a little bit more, um, I think, system-driven. Uh-huh. Uh, if that's the right word, where the, the actual rules of the game are actually in the system. And if you want to upload your own scenarios, your own units, your own pieces, uh, your own house rules or things like that, you have to actually get into um, the guts of the system and start to, uh, to, to co- you know, do a little bit of coding. Yeah. Um, the system does allow you to do that to its credit. At the same time, though, not everyone has that kind of time or skill set or whatever, especially since you can just open up Skype and do it that way or Discord or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are. Oh my God! Go back uh, two seconds. Where, Can you to where? To uh, to to uh, to the map. Yep. 
I recognize those maps. Those are not original Panzer Blitz or Panzer Leader maps. That is from a website called Imaginative Strategist. Oh, okay. Somebody uh, either used their map or downloaded it and up re-uploaded it here. Uh-huh. That's a, that's a great little site. If you love Panzer Leader, uh, Imaginative Strategist is a great little site. Oh, I'll have to- um, it's like this old, like this guy runs it off his dining room table kind of a site, but it's just <laughs> tons and tons of old school. Everything there is PDF. Everything there is free. You literally just like download whole sheets of counters and his okay. counters are 9 million times better than the ones that came in the box. Again, the ones in the box were, were printed in 1970. Yeah. So I mean, publishing technology in 1970, sometimes the damn counter numbers don't even like fit on the cardboard. It's, you know, yeah, 1970. <laughs> um, yep. Th- I recognize those maps. So oh, yeah, there cool. you go. I mean, it's just another option to play some of those games where, you know, you may not have a chance to, um, but you know, it's it's nice. I, I haven't really played into it too much, um, but I definitely will uh, look into it. But uh, Jim does an amazing job using Excel. People go all the time when they jump in and say, what game are you playing? And you go, uh, Excel. And they're like, what? Yeah. So, the, the Excel is the easy part. It's building all the pieces that go yeah, into it. Yeah. That's, that's where it gets a little weird. But once you build that library of, of assets or whatever, yeah, it's super easy. Yeah. So you swear at Excel a lot as well, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I swear at Excel, although Excel doesn't really deserve it. Who I'm really swearing at is OBS. But uh, hey, what are you gonna do? Um, it's it's the quality of the stream as far as uh, you know. Uh, I'm always worried about it because you know you want to you know have the the nicest uh, experience for our audience or whatever. And then if you're in the middle of a turn and you've got you know a bunch of people, not only your the, your opponent and the people you're playing with, your quote unquote private audience, because sometimes we have people actually in either the Discord or the web conference or whatever. But then sometimes we're also streaming these games live, so you have an external audience. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, because OBS has drawn up so much um, so much of your resource, you got to do something pretty big. And Excel, these are pretty big Excel sheets, and uh, it just stalls out, or there's a little bit of latency, and you wind up grabbing the wrong item. It, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of annoying. But in the end, uh, it's not really Excel's fault. At the same time, I'm looking at Excel when it happens, so it kind of catches the brunt of it. But <laughs> all part, of, it's all part of the show. Uh. <laughs> Speaking of which, one yes. thing I did forget to mention super fast, uh, we finally finished Syria in HK Ops. Yes, you did. I think that was since our last, uh, whatchamacallit, our last uh, podcast. So yeah. Yeah, we were talking about hobby. That is one thing I did forget. It took us four sessions, but we did finally get, get through it. So Syria in HK Ops almost turned into uh, Syria in real life, where it's, it's easy <laughs> to get into it and not so easy to get out of there. <laughs> um, we finally got out. Um uh, uh, escalation team or X team 619 is officially no more. The group was, uh, that was the last mission, uh, for that group because they have now been upgraded to a tier two team. Um, the group is now working in discord to kind of pick out a new name for themselves. They get uh-huh. to pick their own name now. And, uh, yeah, the whole group has kind of been promoted and upgraded. So, um, while they do that, uh, we're taking a little bit of a pause, like maybe a couple weeks, uh, a month at the most, um, to kind of like, you know, take stock, find out what we like about the game, what we don't. There's a few things I'm not really happy with as far as the system goes. Um, uh, for people in the, uh, in the audience, um, it's a World War II, I'm sorry, it's a uh, it's a uh, modern miniature, it's a, oh, gee whiz, it's a modern uh, role-playing game system. Um, that way, again, we've kind of designed ourselves uh, exclusively for our sit-rep audience. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, we're yeah. finally out so of Syria. We're, we're going to be taking a little bit of time off. That's excellent. Uh, yeah, eventually. Yeah, excellent. eventually. It's it's just we, we have to figure out like like where we want to go from here because we it's not so much an end, but we've reached a major waypoint in the story. Okay, yeah. we're finally out of Syria. Our group got uh, got promoted. All of the characters' plot lines uh, have now been kind of you know resolved as far as all the you know the drama like behind the scenes or whatever. Uh-huh. That's all been kind of figured out one way or the other. Um, People have gotten promoted. People have moved on, and now it's time to kind of like, okay, take a breath, see what we like about it, see what we don't like about it, and see where we go from here. <laughs> Are you just swearing at me, there, G? Not me. <laughs> Way to go, uh, Jim. Um, I am definitely going to try and uh, end this crazy virus in time for the next episode, so I can actually be there. Um, okay, no worries. Because this stupid thing is totally ruined my social life and gaming life. Not that I had much of a social life before. I'm pretty much a hermit, and I'm okay with that. But uh, it does ruin my gaming. I mean, Marty can attest to that. I barely talk to him half the time. So he'll yeah. like, hey, can you call me? And I'm like, nope. So, you know, I, I'm just not a big communicator. But, you know. Um, don't, hey, don't, bl- don't, don't blame it on, on the pandemic. Yeah, I know. I, I've, I've been that that's way not since, new. Yeah, that's not new. I've been that way since I was a child. Just leave me in the corner and let me do my own thing. Um, Social distancing since the year, since age eight. Is well, let me put it to you this way. When I was young, um, you know, I think it was probably uh, ninth grade, freshman year of high school. I don't know what that means in English school terms, but, you know, your first year of high school. Um, they had a career counselors come out and they start, you know, start thinking about your future. And I brought some stuff home and my dad just looked at it and goes, why bother? You're just going to end up being a hermit in the mountains and living in the mountains by yourself anyways. <laughs> I'm like, oh, OK. Well, thanks, Dad. So, you know, that's 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 my upbringing. And, so. and now we all wish we could do that. I know. Right. <laughs> the sad thing is I'm closer to doing that than all of you. I have an <laughs> RV and mountain land. So that's right. I'm it. Odd horses. And horses and a whole bunch of firearms. So I am ready to yes. go. All right. So let me talk a little bit about my, my hobby. The little bit I've got. I got the vehicles painted. I got the sedan painted. I'm finishing up the first forerunner. I'll start on the, the second forerunner, get that going. Um, and then I'm going to finish painting up the security detail for the State Department. Uh, we got the ambassador already painted. Uh, I reached out to the guys at Black Sight Studio because they did a live stream, right, literally right after we re- uh, live streamed our last episode. And I, I talked to them and said, hey, dudes, I need walls. All right. Um, and they're like, walls? What do you mean walls? So I talked to them about it a little bit. If for some reason we can't get them to produce, uh, Marty and I are going to just scrap you know we're gonna get some i don't know we're gonna use styrofoam cork board something and we will build our own walls um because we need to get this project up and running because i am fully convinced we are going to put the smack down on gas and his little whiny baby libyan troublemakers and we're gonna pull this off with no problem whatsoever yeah and uh, on the way there you're not gonna get to me what are you talking about (laughs) I was going to say, I have to, I have to start that map completely over again. I'm not right. happy with the way that map's coming oh. out. So I'm not okay. quite as far ahead as I thought I was on the transit game. Um, I was drawing these individual, I mean, the, 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 the YouTube videos are up or they're up on our channel or whatever, yep. where we were drawing a lot of these, these buildings. Yeah. Um, 
dumbass, uh, speaking to myself here, this map has got to be like almost a mile and a half, if not two miles wide. You're going to draw every building in a major, like, you know, Benghazi was an actual city. Yeah. You know, yep. it's, it's, it's not going to work. Uh, so I'm going to have to come up with a different way to do the map on that. Oh, okay. Um, the game system's more or less designed. The pieces are all done, but there's uh, a little bit of a reassessment on the map, uh, how the map is going to be approached as far as, you know, a graphic design slash game design uh, sort of a, a of a project. Gotcha. Um, if it were the idea I have, if it works, it'll be nice and quick. I'll be able to pretty much build the map in a day. Okay. But, um, I have to pretty much start that part of it. Well, I guess you have a little bit of time to do that as we finish up our, our stuff. Um, and I think we're, we're pretty close to our goal on the bad guys. Um, we'll have to do a recount. I'm going (laughs) to Marty, how comfortable do you feel about breaking social isolation? Yeah, um, well, I blew you guys off to go to the range last podcast. Yeah, you, so. <laughs> yeah, you fucker. Yeah. <laughs> hey, somebody somebody says I, 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 ha- I have an outdoor range and all the bullets you can shoot. Uh, you're probably going to lose. I'm just going <laughs> to throw that out there. <laughs> Although I was halfway to your house. I was at the Kendall Yeah, County I know. Range. You weren't that far from the house, man. That's all right. Hey, we understand. You got to do what you got to do. Um, I'm still wait. I, I'm so close to no pun intended, pulling the trigger on that sharps rifle. Uh, <laughs> I am so close. Do it. Yeah. Do it. You know, to turn it back I, to the, to the hobby thing. Yeah. Uh, one of, one of the other things that I did, and I don't think I mentioned is, uh, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, we'll just go ahead and build the walls. So, um, uh, because I got all these figures, I figured they needed some place to play. So, right? uh, I built, uh, an Afghan compound. Nice. Uh, a couple of shops and and a house out of corkboard using uh, uh, inspiration guidance and tutorial from uh, Matakishi's uh, Tea House uh, webpage. Yeah. And uh, that's super easy as long as you've got a sharp knife. <laughs> these go together. Well, I really tell you quick. what. You know what we need to do then <laughs> is um, get some materials and let's do a live stream uh, hobby night and let's build some terrain. Because uh, I, so I got a uh, before Michael's uh, closed down completely. You can still get stuff online from them, but uh-huh. the the stores are all shut down. You can't even get curbside stuff now. Uh, I did a curbside uh, order and ordered a four pack of uh, like four mil corkboard. Okay, it was I don't know eight bucks. <laughs> I built a and I built all of those piece those four pieces of terrain, and one of them's a twelve by twelve. Uh, based compound, uh, and I still have almost a full sheet left out of left over uh, out of the pack. So it how, is um, how super- durable is that is that cardboard? Well, uh, so I use emulsion paint on it. So okay. uh, it is it is stout once once it's painted up. I mean, it's it's got some definite give and flex to it when you first put it together. Yeah. But after after it's painted, I mean, I can literally take the little house, throw it across the room, and oh. it it's gonna bounce. It's, we did force on force twenty millimeter in moderns, and I was kind of looking for like you know that that Middle East kind of a wall uh, solution, <laughs> and uh, I tried that, and or I tried corkboard, I should say, like I couldn't get it to work. I wound up having to use foam board, um, which is stronger and lighter. It's got some, uh, it's got some extra steps to it. So it looks like a stone wall. Yeah. Um, and again, like you were saying, you have to have a, like a really sharp knife or else it yeah. lines up and, and doesn't, it doesn't cut well. Um, yeah. If, 
if you use the emulsion paint, you know, so, you know, it, it's paint and, and PVA and, and water, uh-huh. uh, it soaks into the coke, uh, cork board and it okay. really makes it stout. That's awesome. I never thought of that. Yeah, I was just trying to cut the cork board and like maybe put some paint on it and just try to use it like that. And it looked okay, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't holding up well. Wow, this is yeah, um, nice. Okay. Um, Jay, if you go back yeah, to the Yeah, that's front the one page, I built. So if you go back a page and look at his Entebbe, he actually built oh, and Entebbe. Oh, he did Entebbe? Yeah. Yeah, there it is there. I'm going to share this with everybody. That's really nice, that one, actually. Uh, this is another one of those things that I love. You know, and it, unfortunately, it's because of the movie. Um, mm. You know, the the original movie. Not was it not the uh, Seven Days, which I think was the new the new version of the movie. The, the, not the Seven one with. Um, did the original one have what's his name in it? Uh, what Charles Bronson? Yes. and James Woods. Was that the original version? The original yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. You know, that was in uh, Op Center number four. Yeah. Uh, but he's got yeah. all of the Teddy. plants. Look at that. He's done all and the plants. All court board, huh? That's all cork board. You <laughs> can do is... it in foam board as well. I mean, you can yeah. buy, you know, I think he uses two millimeter, five millimeter cork board, but you can buy five millimeter foam board as well. So it doesn't really matter what, which yeah. one you use, you know, either one's good enough. It's just, I guess, price and uh, getting a hold of it. So, yeah. So something like this where it's a modern building, uh-huh. uh, you know, foam board uh, would work pretty good too. I like the cork board for like the Afghan stuff because it's mm-hmm. already textured. Yeah, yeah, I don't have to worry about yeah, applying yeah. anything onto it like I would for foam board. Gotcha. And let's face it, I'm I'm lazy, <laughs> so if I can skip that step, I think I've it. got them planned separately because he he sells some of the plans separately. Okay. So I've got some of them in PDF. I've got the Afghan buildings, and I think I got Antebi <gasps> and stuff. If I'll I'll dig them out. Yes. And, I just fired up the web page and kind of scrolled through it as I was yeah. building it, and uh, it, it's pretty easy to follow along. Once once you do a couple of the buildings, uh-huh. you know yeah. you get a feel for okay, the doors are always this size, the windows okay. are always this size, and then uh, even if there's not like an exact measurement on where to place it, yeah. because you've got that experience, you can be like, okay, I know that I know that the door is. Uh, uh, 20 millimeters wide and 30 millimeters tall, and it looks like it's about a door width from the edge. So I'm going to put that 30 millimeters from, you know, 20 millimeters gotcha. from the edge. Yeah. Under the section as well, under the project section where this is part of, he has his miniatures as well. So he shows you what miniatures he's done and how he's painted them and things like okay. that as well. Yeah. Uh, because one of the things he's done under making things as well is he's got uh, Wild Geese. Remember the film Wild yes. Geese? Yeah. He's done a load of stuff in Africa. Okay. Around that. Because um, is it Sally Forth? They've done a bunch of the wild geese buildings. Have they? Oh, okay. Yeah, that, this is last year. They, they produced like a, an airport and the bunker and things like that. It's a small airport, and to be yeah, it was really part, small. It was really, part yeah. of it's still standing. That tower is still standing to this day. They left yeah, it up just, as a memorial. So Sally Forth did some stuff for in their in their section four. There's a 28 millimeter airport. And stuff in MDF, and it was part of the wild geese. It might be in the site there, Jay. Wow, I'm looking. I think a lot of stuff. I don't think I've ever yeah. really looked at the wow. site. You've never been to Sully Forth? Uh, I've it's... been to it, but I don't think I really looked looked because um, I was supposed to get a copy of these rules. This whatever this game is, yeah, uh, Combat Patrol, but I never got it. The, the author reached out to me and said he sent me a copy, and I never got it. Copy. I'll send you the link directly to the wild geese stuff. Okay. There it is. 
Interesting. Okay. So, on the tea house, he's got some some stuff to do things like that with corkboard and things, okay. making shanty villages and towns and stuff like that. Cool. I mean, so there's obviously, I mean, because some of these buildings right here, like this prison office and stuff, mm-hmm. would work perfectly for my Central America table yeah. I'm still working on for the uh, British SAS, you know, when they're down in police mm-hmm. training and somebody's trying to do bad things in their backyard. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Sarissa, I think, posted up. Or Sarissa's doing a lot of good stuff, too. So, uh, yeah, they, they are. Um, what was it? It was a they put some Wild West stuff I was looking at because that's just my own thing. But they had up um, what looked like would double up as a aerodrome, like you know when you see them on the like the South American runway fields Uh where planes would land just to dump stuff off and disappear. Um, Posted up some stuff in the MDF like that, but Ivan posted up his on the Spectre. Facebook group. Uh-huh. Um, Ivan posted up one of the tables he'd been working on originally and was a a runway table. Oh. Okay. Um, I'll see if I can find the, the thing off uh, Ivan's post because he was posting up some stuff. Because that's been quite active, that Facebook group. Yeah. There's a lot um, of active stuff. Well, I'm still waiting on my Alamo. I got the Alamo coming from them. But that, that was a Kickstarter, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I don't know. This Mediterranean village is looking pretty tempting. Mm. Hey, they have walls. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not the kind of walls we need. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get it figured out so, uh, so we can finish up this project. And then uh, just as a sidebar, what I um, – Jim had mentioned earlier because I was looking at – let me pull it back up here. Uh, we're LinkedIn Publishing because I, I – I, I didn't back this one, the French and Indian War, just because I don't like the block games. Um, I don't know. For me, it just takes something away from it. I, I don't know why. Just I don't like those block games. But I do have this. I did back it's this It's a block game. Where the pieces aren't chits. They're like wooden blocks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, I mean a lot of people like it because it's unknowns. You know, there's the fog of war type thing, you know, because the blocks aren't facing. You don't see the chits. Yep. It's just the yep. player. So and then I don't know. Maybe I should give it a try. I, I think it's just because I'm, I'm definitely old school. In a lot um. Of- yeah, because I know you're kind of talking about. So you're, you you can set up the counters where, uh, or not the counters, the playing pieces, where the opponent doesn't actually see the values on the piece. Yeah. Then you either flip it over. It's something that an inverted counter can't do. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So. I'll say this much: whenever you're playing hex and counter, one of the top like you have to make your own counters, which you usually do. Um, at least for the good ones, is uh, mount it on the absolute thickest cardstock you can that your scissors can cut. Because uh-huh. super thin counters, this is the advantage of block games. Uh, the pieces are easy to handle, and that doesn't sound like a big deal until you have four or five hundred counters on your map. You know, <laughs> you're, playing, you're playing Rise and Decline of the Third Reich, and you're like these little, you know, paper thin counters, you're yeah. using little bits of blue tack and needed eraser to move your pieces around, you know, it gets a little annoying, easy to make, but it's worth the effort to make your counters as thick and chunky as possible. Um, and block games already have that kind of, a you know, advantage built into it. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's, uh, I used to have, uh, 
uh, Red Storm Rising uh, from uh, I can't remember the, I can't remember the actual company that produced it. It had the um, the counters. It was a counter game, but the counters were all had like these little plastic standees. Yeah. And the counters would stand up, and then you would only reveal what the counter was when you made contact with the enemy unit. Um, it has some advantages, but at the same time, you know, you only have so many of those little plastic uh, clips. You know, they're kind of a pain in the butt to use. You lose one, and now that unit is kind of stuck. Um, I mean, they sent you some extras in the box, but it's, you know, yeah, I guess, you know, every game type has its uh, advantages and disadvantages, I guess. So that's kind of what, because I have this uh, set, the Victoria Cross 2 set, uh, which is the Battle of uh, Rourke's Drift and Ishland Wanda. And I know uh, some people believe it's all one and same battle. It's a continuation. And some people consider it two separate engagements. But I love how you, like, head me off at the pass there before I get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't always say the same things over and over again. <laughs> so, um, and Wait, then, don't you have a shot glass? Uh, well, been, <laughs> all right. So let me do an update on uh, – on uh, swag for our Patreon subscribers. Um, because of the stupid coronavirus, things have obviously slowed down tremendously and we're not getting some of the stuff that we needed to. So what I've decided to do, instead of waiting on everything to come in and send it out at once, I'm going to start shipping out the minis because they're done uh, to everybody that gets one. And then as the other stuff comes in, I will send it out. So it's the, you know, it's, it's the right thing to do. I've been sitting on stuff, waiting on stuff that all come in and it hasn't. So we're going to go ahead and just um, send stuff out. So hopefully you'll be getting your mini soon. Please, yeah, once you, you get it and start painting them. them, please post it up on the put on the Facebook page. Please, uh, we want to see what y'all do with yours. Um, so maybe Gaz will uh, paint one up on a stream one night too. Uh, well, yeah, I'm a patron, so I'm about to be getting one. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know what? I could just send you the file. You got a printer now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, actually. I'd probably do a better job as well. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what? Shots fired. Take Whoa. all the supports out of it then. <laughs> I mean, I already had the supports and everything done, dude. Wow. That's hey, kind of hard. That was, <laughs> oh, 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 was just... <laughs> well, on that note... Uh, <laughs> Um, so we'll set. I already we'll have set. my sergeant sit rep all painted up. Yeah, do you? Yeah, did you post a picture? Uh, I did not because I want to do a uh, kind of a plinth or display base. I think for him. Okay. Because he's a special guy. Uh, so you know, should do do up something uh, nice for him. But uh, but the figure itself is uh, painted. Excellent. All right. And he looks I pretty badass. Get on it. Start painting one up. All right, so uh, I'll start sending those out this week. Um, anything else to talk about? We've been uh, this been shows gone quick. We're already at almost an hour and a half for this show. Um, I've got a, two small things. Yeah, to please. Over. All right, so uh, a, a project has recently come to my attention um, that I think uh, with all of our talk about three D printing, I think. Uh, I mean, it's a smaller company, so you know, try to help them out, give them a little bit of a shout out. But a game was called Iron Cross. Have you guys seen any of this over no, there on, on tabletop? Yeah. yeah, it's a one to three hundred game that's pretty much built around the idea of three D printing. So, like, the game comes with like STL files, I guess you guys call it. Uh, I don't really know anything about three D printing, so excuse any uh, ignorance that kind of comes out here. Um, the name of the company is Voxel House. Uh, they're based out of Brazil, and what they've done is they've made this old um, style, uh, a modern take obviously like you know like 3d printing you know uh 
one to three hundred, a uh, six millimeter uh, game. Um, so they've taken a new uh, swing, so to speak. They've taken a fresh approach to you know old school World War II. It's a World War II game, um, a tactical war game. Um, Antonio Marcelo and uh, Jorge Bentes are the two guys in charge of it. And again, uh, it's neat to see World War II from a new perspective. I mean, not often do you hear uh, people in Brazil, um, you know, writing about World War II history or talking about World War II history, or uh, the Brazilian troops that were involved in World War II. Uh, Brazil was an Allied power. Um, they did join the war in 1942. Needless to say, they're really into it. They know a great deal about their country's participation in World War II, and they sort of, you know, highlight that uh, to a certain extent in their game. Yeah. Um, the scenario cards that they have printed out. Gee, this is one other reason I wanted to kind of bring it up. Wait, wait, Jim, was that on a weekend, or I'm trying to find it on the page? Uh, no, it's a uh, it's 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 one of their projects. It's in their projects feature. I think it's back on page three. Projects, okay. Yeah, projects on page three. You'll see something called Iron Cross. Uh, stop when you see the tiger. You see this gigantic tiger and this big black graphic. You know, Iron Cross games. Um, it's pretty good. Um, again, I haven't played the game obviously, but I've uh, we've been in touch with uh, some of the guys involved. Uh, they sent me the book. I've kind of read through it. Um, the scenario cards are great because they're uh, they're like classic homage. They're I do, they look exactly like the old ASL cards. Uh, gee, that you're probably familiar with. Uh-huh. Um, and they, they did that totally, you know, on purpose. They're definitely trying to uh, sort of, you know, have a little bit of a callback to like old 1980s gaming. Again, the scale is one to 300. So it's uh, oh, yeah, a six millimeter. Um, and it's very, uh, you know, so right, right, right there, just by the selection of the scale, your games are going to be at least a little bit, uh, at least a little realistic. Um, and again, it's just a fresh take because again, you know, uh, the Brazilian expeditionary force, the Cobra Fuentes, I think they called it, uh, my, my Spanish is terrible or my Portuguese is terrible. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the smoking cobras or whatever. There's a whole story behind the name of that name. They fought all through Italy. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, there we see his uh, his his. Uh, Here, let me share force. this with everybody so they can see it. So these are 3D printed STL files, huh? Nice. Yeah, these are the these are the these are the uh, some of the original pieces that he's made up for his. Uh, uh, those are yes, yeah, so like we have some T thirty four, some KV, some T thirty four eighty fives. It looks like, um, yeah, Soviet force. Uh, we, we talk about this a lot here on SITREP. Uh, those are some uh, BA armored cars um, that. Uh, you know, a six millimeter game allows you to really expand the scale, yeah. not only in how big of a table you can put up, because then you're working in six millimeter, but, you know, what size force that you can put together. So to put together a Soviet armored battalion in its true scale or even a, a Soviet armored regiment in even 15 mil is damn near impossible. Forget 28. Yeah. Um, but to tr first of all, you have to have a table the size of a golf course and your 3D printer would die, you know, six times over before you printed that much, you know, that much resin. <laughs> Um, but yeah, when you need a hundred vehicles, you know, six millimeters, the way to go. And you need that kind of range and distance, that elbow room on your battlefield. Uh -huh. And, uh, yeah, these guys are definitely taking uh, one thing I liked about this little project is just for fun. Uh -huh. Again, this is a, this is an advantage of the scale is that, um, they've taken the dimensions that the P 1000, there it is right there. The P 1000 rat was supposed to be. Uh, it was never actually built in real life, and they've 3D printed a a, a rat. This so a rat, rat is the same scale as that tank. Yes, the Holy rat was a tank God. that 
they didn't. They never built it. They never built it. But they were they were thinking about it. They had the plans drawn up. But they were kicking the idea around near the end of World War II. When the Germans were. It was going to have two 11-inch naval rifles, so the same guns that they mounted on the Scharnhorst-class battlecruiser. It was going to have two U-boat turbines uh, as its engines. It was something like 140 feet long. It was something that you see out of Steve Jackson's Ogre. This thing was absolutely <laughs> huge. Um, I've seen cutaways of what this thing was going to look like. It had like different levels with ladders, and it was a ship on land, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this thing was going to be absurd. Uh, it had like f- six sets of tracks or something ridiculous. Holy or something. Moly. Yeah. This is uh, German engineering at its most insane. Uh, I, I mean, how could you maneuver that thing? It was, yeah, it was, <laughs> the, the allies are, the, the allies are coming in to Germany. Let's just park this thing on the border and see how long it lasts. Right. Um, yeah, it had like four, like those little, those old little red bits on the back. It had like four 20 millimeter turrets on the back. And then those two turrets on the very back were like, I can't remember exactly. I think they were either Panther turrets or King Tiger turrets. Jesus. And those are basically its secondary machine guns were King Tiger turrets uh, on the back of this thing. And its main turret, again, were two battlecruiser guns made for shooting at other battleships. And here it is trying to engage Shermans. That's crazy. Um, I've worked out the math in 15 mil, which is my you know for sort of favorite scale. The uh-huh. thing comes out to be almost 20 inches long. Holy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, needless to say, I would never build one in 15 mil, but in 6 mil, hey, you can print one out, and okay. it's like the size of a normal 28 millimeter tank, and you're ready to go. Yeah. Well, you can tell um, that they did um, – just real quick technical. You can tell they did FDM printing because you can see the striations okay. um, here, and you can see it on the uh, – is that a tiger? I can't quite see it. Um, the little one. It looks like a tiger. It's got a round turret. Yeah, then it's a tiger. Um, so that definitely so, – but still, I mean, it's – wow, that is unbelievable. I can't believe that that was an actual – well, somebody thought we're going to do this. Yeah, that, that's Dr. Ferdinand Porsche, who, you know, was kind of a makes great sports cars and tanks. Not so much. Yeah. Um, but on a more serious note, yeah, he's got terrain. He's got rules. Uh, he's got counters. And uh, again, I've looked through his rule book and uh, yeah, just, you know, the kind of thing that uh, maybe isn't getting as much attention as it should. Uh-huh. So I thought I'd put it out there. And a quick shout out. You had a second one, right? Yeah, a quick shout out uh, to our friend Paul. Paul's a big supporter. He has a YouTube channel, uh, Paul Beckus. Okay. Um, He's been supporting us a great deal. here on YouTube, he's recently gone through a pretty serious medical procedure. Uh, it seems to have gone well. He's in recovery, so we wish him well. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's had he's had I mean, on top of the coronavirus of all the time to to, uh, to have this kind of thing happen to you. He's also got his own personal things going on. Yeah. Um, so, but again, the procedure seems to have worked out. Uh, he's coming back slowly, but yeah, he's got a great channel. P Beckus, B E C C A S, um, starts off with a P. Uh, he's been a big supporter on SIDREP. Um, and, uh, you know, just wanted to, you know, well, tell him that we're we all wish as well and speedy recovery, my friend. It looks Indeed. like the community's been doing a lot of stuff with, for Paul anyway. There's been a lot of stuff coming out saying Beckus commands, and a bunch of YouTubers have been creating armies and stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's like two channels that are associated together. I'm not sure of the exact mm-hmm. relationship there. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, it's the same. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he, I think, I think he's, I think he's uh, friends with those people or something like that. Yeah. 
All right, cool. Does anybody else have anything before we wrap up? Gaz, yeah, you've been uh, talkative as always. Uh, well, I get my power at the beginning and burn all my skill points and then have to wait. <laughs> yeah, um, um, Plastic Soldier Company, I think, have got a month-long uh salute no you know no salute sale on uh-huh. um so worth checking out uh heading over to their website uh, and just looking at what they've got available at the minute on uh on deals and stuff because uh, i think if it's worth for those in the uk and europe a lot know that salute is a rather large event um with that in mind um it's worth having a look around your friendly neighborhood site. There it is, top left, uh, PSC's yeah. no salute sale. Um, and, and seeing what's available out there, because obviously these companies are struggling, like Jim said about the, uh, the one he's just mentioned. Yep. With Iron Cross and such. Uh, it's good to get in amongst it now while these guys uh, have still got stock and you know need a bit of extra funds. Um, there's plenty of sites out there, uh, lots of lists of vendors for salutes, for what would, would have been you know, the Historicon, Adepticon, you know, get in amongst it, guys. You know, have a mooch out there. So I'm sure you'll find something that you really, really need <laughs> that you didn't even know you did. And, uh, and we can go from there. But, um, yeah, just uh, PSC, like I say, I've got a bit of a sale going and uh, it's worth a look through. Awesome. Well, what was interesting this past week as well, because of what's going on worldwide, they've cut the official announcements gone out that they've cancelled Comic-Con. Yeah, they did that the as first, well. The first time in 50 years that there will not be a Comic-Con. Yeah. So it doesn't bode. It sort of doesn't bode well for Gen Con. Uh, as well, yeah, as I mean, so. we still have a few months, or but yeah, well, it, it, I think it's going to affect it in one way or another. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, because because Comic Con's June, June July normally. I think it's June normally Comic Con. So you know, if they're looking that far ahead, how f- are they looking even further ahead and getting into August when, you know? I'd be surprised if they have that sort of large event thing before we have a vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm honest. No, which you're, means you're we'll, right. which which means we'll probably see a lot more of the vendors, especially the big vendors like FFG and people like that, and Games Workshop as well, putting their stuff virtually. I know Games Workshop did a stream yesterday. Uh huh. To promote their content, their new minis and stuff that was shown off. So, like the new Warcry stuff and things. That was all done, streamed yesterday. Okay. Um, which I think would have been maybe, I don't know if Games Workshop go to Salute. Uh, no, not typically. Yeah. No. So, I haven't but, seen them in the past, but that's not to say what the new community or yeah, the program new, the new regime might. is. So I think there's a lot more of companies and there's a lot more like Sarissa are doing it. Uh-huh. Uh, and other companies are going online to show off yeah. their, their, their stuff. So I think there's going to be more and more of that within the next couple of months at least. Yeah. So it's uh, it's been a definite weird year for um, gaming. With all the stuff, you know, Adepticon gone, Salute now. And um, yeah, it's it's crazy. Well, China's back of earning eighty percent for most of their production stuff when it comes to well, that's uh, from what I've seen from people like Warlord and um, Mythic Games. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've all been putting out state. You know, you get the updates through email system, especially if you're following. I'm in on a Kickstarter with Mythic, so obviously it's had a massive impact on their timeline. Yeah, so the updates are coming thick and fast to keep people interested, and. Um, 
you know, if if they're slowly coming out of that, it'll be more about when the ports reopen as much as anything. Yeah. Not yeah. that they're fully closed. I mean, my friend Mark works down at Port of Felixstowe, which is a reasonably sized port on east of England. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, they've never fully closed. It's just the amount of, you know, transports coming in and going out is a lot less. Yeah. And that's mainly because of those overseas countries closing, you know, their outgoing as much as their incoming. Yeah. Uh, James, what is this that I see? <laughs> oh, That's yeah, you gotta check that out. Um, what? Go for it. 40K? I didn't want to mention that in our hobby because you would rage against me, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you'll love oh, it. Oh, there it is. There Look at that beautiful picture. Oh, <laughs> I get it. Oh, my God, he's got jokes. <laughs> oh, that is funny. Okay. Don't don't say that in the middle of the virus, okay? It's a bad time to make that kind of joke. Uh, Jake, you scroll down on that page there, temporary, and then click on that fantasy one series thing. on which one? The Kickstarter for Fantasy One. Scroll up slightly, you'll see it. It's a bit good that he's down. Down, 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 yeah, click on that. Okay. These are all the minis that are coming in the set for 3D printing fantasy miniatures. Oh, wow. Keep going. Keep going. I'm going. Keep going. Wow. There's a Lord. dragon. Uh-huh. Keep going. Wow. Whoa. Oh, yeah. That's sweet. So for any D&D players. Oh, yeah. Nice. All right. Cool. All right, guys. I think we're going to wrap it up unless anybody else has any final thoughts. Um, we appreciate y'all hanging with us. Um, I'll get this cleaned up and we will, um, get it out to our Podbean. And I guess I'm gonna have to do a double feature because I got an error message from Podbean that says our last podcast did not completely upload properly. So there was some kind of issue with that. So I apologize for that. I wasn't aware of that. So, um, I will get us out as a double feature. Um, if you'd like to support us, please do so on our Facebook page. I think we're up to 279 followers on Facebook, um, which is a good thing. And, uh, I know we've, uh, Twitch, we're climbing steadily. You know what I was looking at while I'm thinking of it? I, I've been away from OTT for a little bit and I just noticed they're now linking in live streaming. Yeah, you can yeah. see here. So I need to make sure we get LinkedIn. Uh, Don, I was going to say that would be great. Yeah, uh, I saw that on, I saw that on this channel. I was like, oh, that that would have been nice about six months ago. But, so the um, funny thing is, is Don and I have been talking, and we're like, you know, we kind of miss oh, being on OTT and doing stuff. So <laughs> it's like it's like a freaking uh, a, it's drug. a drug. Yeah, yeah. You know, you miss, you, you miss your high. So uh, because you know we've met a ton of people through this industry and. Uh, you know, the idea of walking away from it and not having those, you know, relationships and doing those projects, uh, it kind of like, huh, you know, it's like a hard uh, golden cold turkey. And I don't like Part time. So uh, we'll, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll reach out to Warren and we'll, yeah. we'll get it then. But uh, we want to thank everybody. Uh, you know, follow us on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter, uh, our Twitch channel. That's where we do our live stream. I'll see about connecting us into OTT, uh, Twitch channel. And uh, to everybody out there, we wish you well. Uh, everybody recovering or staying home, uh, stay safe. Uh, happy gaming projecting, modeling, and uh, we will see you guys soon. Mm-hmm.